All right, all right, all right. If you could make your way back to your seat, that'd be great. Rick George, if I could get a bottle of water, that would be fantastic. Um, and uh, as you're going back to your seats, one simple thing I, thing I want to remind you of is that as a community, as a, you know, Lighthouse Community Church, one of the things that we have found that is important is that we gather together. I had a couple who came in last week who was kind of late, and I said, hey, there's some seats in the front row. They came in from over there. I was like, hey, there's some seats over here that are open, and they're like, yeah, we don't want to sit over there because if, in, if I sit over there, then people are going to think we're new, and they're going to come up to us and say, hey... You know, are you new here? Everybody over here knows us. I'm not lying to you. I'm not making that up. Everybody over here knows us. And it's like, well, you folks ought to get to know these people over here. Some of them are pretty cool. And you folks over here should get to know some of these people. They're all really cool. So one of the ways that we do that is, is you know, breaking bread together, having a meal together. It, it, it's really incredible as it fosters opportunity for eating and for getting to know people. So next Sunday, next Sunday we have our, uh, thank you Richard, um, <laughs> next Sunday we're having our potluck, and I love potlucks. Pastor Bruce and I, we head straight for the dessert table because you never know when Jesus is coming back. But the rest of y'all, you can head to whatever you want, right? I think we're trying to set up, Pastor Bruce and I are just going to set up our chairs at the dessert table. But anyway, you can come and talk to us there. But anyway, next week we're having our a potluck. It's one of the funnest times here at Lighthouse. Right after service, we just set up a bunch of tables. So here's what we need you to do. We need you to bring um, a main dish. It doesn't have to be huge. A main dish and then a side dish to share. Just a main dish and side dish to share. And listen... If, if you don't bring anything, it's okay. It's okay. We'll have plenty of food. We'll have plenty of food. We want you to come bring friends. It's a great time celebrating together, being in community together. Is during when we do potlucks, which is next Sunday after church. Don't forget it, okay? So there you go. There's the announcement uh, we wanted to make sure that you had for next week. So last week, we filled you in on our trip to Egypt and the things that God did in us and through us, okay? In fact, one of the really cool things was uh, the, the impact that God used us to have. One of the people on the trip was Dave Seeley. This was Dave's second time going to Egypt, and there was a young man by the name of Martin who was part of uh, our trip. And towards the end of the trip, Martin came up to Dave and gave him this, yeah, the, the, he didn't trace this. He didn't put paper over Dave's face. He actually, like, drew this. And, and it was amazing, because if you know Dave, who's sitting right back there, this is an uncanny likeness, likeliness of Dave, okay? And the, the amazing thing was, as we were sitting as a team together, and, and Dave showed us this picture, Dave said, you know, you would think that, that the, the person who drew that drew that because they had known me since last time we were here, and they drew it while I was gone. The fact of the matter is, I just met him like a few days ago. And that was the impact of one life on another life. And, and that's, that's what ministry is all about. You don't have to go to Egypt to have an impact on another person's life. You and I are called, even though we're called to go into all the world, well, my world may just be portage. You're 
you know, your world may just be the neighborhood and the surrounding area where you live, or maybe God's going to call you to a place like Egypt or China or Bolivia or wherever, okay? But he's called us to go into our world and make a difference. Obviously, Dave did that, and many of you did as well. What happened for us in Egypt was a confirmation of what I believe to be God's word for the year for Lighthouse. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Rick talked about your one word. What is your one word that God has for you that is going to change your world and the world surrounding you? The word that he's going to use to to grow you and model you more into his likeness. And this week, we're going to talk about our word. Last Sunday, we, it, it kind of led into this whole conversation. When we were in Egypt, and then even when we were talking through the book of Acts, it led into our word for the year. Now, if you remember, last year's word for the year was do something. I know, I should have hyphenated it, but do something. It's two words, but that was last year, and it was amazing to see what God did through these words last year of do something. We saw people who gave their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, people who recommitted their lives. We saw people who got baptized. We saw people who got out of their comfort zone and went into places where they never would have seen themselves go to make a difference for the kingdom of God. We saw people who, who gave generously, not just out of, out of you know, their profit, But we saw people who gave until it hurt so that people could reach out for Jesus. We have so many testimonies of doing something that it's crazy what God did. And so this week, we start talking about the word for the year this year. And uh, all that happened in the last year, and going to Egypt, and and it all kind of corresponds and brings about kind of what I'm thinking the Lord wants to do in us. And last year, in our trip to Egypt, if you remember, if you were here last week, I said something that I think was true about Egypt, but it's true about our last year. And I said this. (laughs) Wow. I thought I said that, but I'm wrong. Okay. But what I said was this. We could not have pulled this off. We could not have pulled this trip off. And I believe in the last year, we could not have pulled off everything that happened that God did through Lighthouse without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit. And I was praying for our word for the year. I was praying for our word for the year, what God had for us. And God gave me a word that basically came from left field for me. In fact, it didn't even come from left field. It was so far out, it came from the bullpen, okay? It came from so far away. It was way out. And yet it was kind of a word that I look at and go, I should have known this. I should have known this, but I didn't. All right, I didn't see it coming because of everything that was going on, but I should have seen it coming because of everything that was going on. And we find our word from the year in a situation that we found ourselves in a little over a year ago when we looked at Acts chapter 1. 
So when you look at the book of Acts, if you remember when we talked about Acts, if you were here, you remember that Luke wrote the book of Acts and that the books of Luke and Acts are actually meant to be read together. They are two volumes of the same work. And so at the end of the book of Luke, you have Jesus' death and resurrection. And then Luke picks it up in the beginning of Acts chapter 1. And he says, in my former work, Theophilus, which is a reference back to Luke, and he begins to pick up the story from there. Not really a story, but a historical account. And he says that Jesus came back to life. He was resurrected, not resuscitated, because Jesus was fully dead for three days. He was fully dead. He resurrected by the power of God, came back to life. And he was around for about 40 days, and he was interacting with people, and he told his disciples, he said, listen, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait, because my Father is going to give to you the gift that he's promised all along. The Holy Spirit is going to come. And his disciples were like, Jesus, is the time that you're going to restore Israel back to its way? And he's like, listen, listen, listen. The times and the dates, they don't matter. What matters is this. And we pick it up in verse 8. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. Here's the amazing thing. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit showed up that the disciples actually had the power. Now, I wanted to play that song. I've got the power. I looked it up yesterday. So you're just going to have to settle for me singing. Ready? Here we go. No, I'm kidding. All right. The the, the, The disciples could not claim to have any power. Jesus had to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come, and then you want to talk about blowing stuff up. When the Holy Spirit came and they received the power of God, everything changed, not just in their lives, not just in the synagogue, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Israel or Judea or Samaria, but things changed throughout the world for the rest of history. We are living in the result of the power of the Holy Spirit coming. Whew, man. And I'm looking at a number of you right now who could probably use that power right about now. I know I can. And the interesting thing is this, that that word for power right here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, is actually the Greek word dunamis, dunamis. And that Greek word dunamis means might or strength or miraculous power, miraculous power. And that is what that word means when it says the Holy Spirit comes. You will receive miraculous power. It's almost as if Jesus is convincing the disciples, listen, you don't have to worry about this anymore. Because I'm telling you right now, for the days leading up to this moment, and probably for some of the days after this moment, as the disciples are waiting in that upper room for the said Holy Spirit to show up, they were probably scared. They were probably living a little bit in fear. And we've talked about why before, because of the Rome, not just because of the Romans, but because of their fellow countrymen. 
If they crucified Jesus, surely they're coming after his flock, right? And so I'm sure there's a little bit of fear there. And Jesus says, listen, listen, listen to me. You're going to receive miraculous power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why would they need that miraculous power? Because look at the rest of what he says. He says, then you're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the rest of the world. And I'm sure that some of those guys and ladies who were sitting there when Jesus said this were like, I can't even be a witness in my own house. How in the world am I going to be to the rest of the world? And Jesus said, exactly. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. That's why you need the miraculous power. That's why you need the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it on your own. You need God's power. And the same is true for us today as Jesus followers. That power that was bestowed upon the disciples is available to you and to me today. But here's the thing that you and I have to understand. Here's here's what we need to understand. It's this. There's a difference between having access to power and using power. Right? There's a difference between having access to the power and actually using the power. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about, okay? For Sean and I, we, we really do enjoy watching movies, okay? And one of our favorite things to do while watching the movies is eating popcorn. Anybody with me? You guys, anybody like popcorn? Okay. No, raise them proud. Come on, join me. Who loves a good... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, don't be scared. Don't be chicken. You have a spirit of power when it comes to popcorn, all right? So here's the thing, right? Sean makes the best popcorn outside of Celebration Cinema that I've ever had, okay? She does it right. She puts so much butter on it, right? And then salt, I love it. I I probably, I'll watch a movie just to have popcorn, okay? And so... You take popcorn, you put this bag inside the microwave, and you shut it, and you try to, what's the problem? Anybody have an idea what the problem is, why this isn't working? No power, right? And I'm your typical man. No matter how hard I yell at this thing, no matter how hard I beat it, come on, what is wrong with you? Make my popcorn. Now, just like my kids, okay? No response. The problem is no power. So what do we have to do? First of all, we have to find out where this thing is plugged in. Plug it in. And then push popcorn. Start, and there you go. Now, I don't believe that it's going to happen in a minute, but we'll see. But the power begins, right? And the longer I leave that popcorn in the microwave, the better shot I have if it's plugged in and working and has power 
that I'm actually going to get popcorn. And it's going to start popping, and it's going to be glorious, and I'm a little nervous because I don't think it has enough time on it that it's going to do it. In fact, I'm going to stop it there. Okay, now for sure we're going to get popcorn, and we're going to get burned popcorn, okay? But don't you love the smell of popcorn? When I walk in the house, sometimes like uh, either in the house or sometimes here at the church, uh, some of our staff members will bring their kids and for a snack they'll make popcorn. And I walk in and I go, oh glory. Right? You start looking around. Why? Because there's something attractive about the popcorn. And the power of the microwave. Did you hear that? Yeah. That's God's love happening right inside of this microwave right there. All right? All right? The power begins to work in the microwave. And the result is we get something beautiful. We get something flavorful. We get something unique. Why? Because we accessed the power. The power is what makes this work for a desired outcome. And the same is true for us. And herein lies the problem for Ha <laughs> ha! So there's popcorn in there. We blew a fuse. It's all right. It's cool. I was worried that was going to happen. But anyway, here's the thing. Here's the problem for most of us as followers of Jesus Christ is that we have access to the power, and we know we have access to the power. We just don't access the power. We choose not to live within the power that God gives to us, okay? And that power is the Holy Spirit. So what happens when you and I are not accessing the power that's available to us? Think about that for a moment. I know everything's starting back up again, okay? Stick with me. What happens when we don't access the power that's available to us? Well, what happens when we're using a microwave and it's not plugged in? What does that make this? Useless, right? This microwave is useless if it's not plugged into the power. And I know that some of you are going, well, Pastor Doug, are you saying that if I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not accessing the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm useless? I'm not saying that. What I will say is that we who don't access the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives are ineffective. At best, we're ineffective. At worst, we're useless. And I know that that may offend some of us to think that if we are not living by the power of the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus Christ, that we're useless. I know that may even be offensive to some of you, but I would submit to you that it's truth. That it's truth. When we're not availing ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit, we end up living in frustration. We live in bitterness and joylessness. We are easily angered. 
and we envy other people. And many times we find ourselves asking a simple question. Is this it? Is this all there is? Isn't there more? Isn't there more to this life? And I guarantee you, I promise you, that when you live in the power of the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is read the first eight chapters of Acts to see that when the power of the Holy Spirit is moving through people's lives and moving through a church, everything changes regardless of the persecution that you come up against. Do you realize that that early church, what they faced They faced life or death situations, not just people mocking them for being Jesus followers, not for just calling them Christians, little baby Jesus. No, they had to fear for their lives and they didn't care because the power of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of Jesus Christ proved to them that there's more than this. And that's the power that God has given for you and me. The question is, are we accessing the power? And I will bet that there are probably a number of us who would look at what I just said and would say, you know what? That's kind of how my life is right now. Hmm. I'm frustrated. I don't have the joy in my life that I know I should have. Man, do I get angry easy. All I have to do is see a picture of a politician and my blood pressure starts going up. I envy other people, what they have, the job they have, the money they have, the spouse they have, the car they drive, I don't know. And I keep asking myself, is there more? Is there more? Is there more to this life? Is there more to being a follower of Jesus? Isn't there more? Maybe you find yourself asking, can God do more in me? I think coming from Egypt, there was probably a number of us who were on that team who recognized since we've been back, God can do more in me than I thought was possible. And whether you go to Egypt or you go to the Edison neighborhood, you begin to understand that with the power of the Holy Spirit, God can do more in you. And some of us may even be asking, can God do more things through me? Can he do more things through me? And I'm going to tell you right now, God wants to and God will when you access the power, when you access the power. So how do we do it? How do I access the power? And I'm closing up here. There are four things we do. The first thing is give up everything. Give up everything. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus, you, if you remember the story, when the rich young man came to Jesus and said, you know, how do I get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, well, what do you think the scripture says? And, and Jesus said, you know, honor your father and mother and do, and he said, I did these things. What else is there? And Jesus said, go and sell everything, give it to the poor and follow me. Get rid of everything. Now, maybe for you, it's not money. Maybe for me, it's not money. But what is everything? What does everything mean? What does give up everything mean? It means giving up my rights. 
Jesus didn't say, pick up your rights and follow me. In the United States of America, we are so blessed. We are so blessed with rights. But for those of us who are Jesus followers, sometimes those rights become an idol. Sometimes those rights that we are blessed with become a curse because we're so focused on our rights that we take our eyes off of our responsibility to Jesus. It's pretty quiet in here. Give up everything. Give up my rights. Give up my dignity. Give up my reputation. Give up my family. Give up my money. Give up everything. I lay it all at the feet of Jesus. That's the first step. It's a big step. It's a big step. And sometimes it takes a long time to give it all up. Because sometimes there are times I think I gave it all up. And then God will say, hey, you know what? There's this one area right over here you haven't given up yet. And I'll look at it and go, you're right. And I give it up. Give up everything. The second thing is pray down God's spirit. We're going to see up, down, in, and out. Up, down, in, and out. Up, down, in, and out. Say it with me. Up, down, in, and out. Okay? Give up everything. Pray down God's spirit. Pray down God's spirit. Pray that God's Holy Spirit will fill me, will fill you. I've shared this with you before. Almost every single day in my prayer time, I will, at the front end of my prayer, I will say, everything I am and everything I have, I consecrate to you. I give up everything. And then I pray, Holy Spirit, fill me so that I will live like Jesus and glorify my Father in heaven. I pray for his spirit. Because in the same way that the disciples were never going to be able to be witnesses in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, there's no way they could pull that off without the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no way I could pull off living today without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's where some of us are frustrated. Because we don't give up everything. And we don't pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us. And then we wonder why we're frustrated and angry and bitter. And can't live in victory. Give up everything. Pray down God's spirit. Breathe in God's word. Breathe in God's word. As a runner, and this will be in a sermon another time. As a runner, I have found that what I eat impacts how well I run. What I feed my body impacts if I'm going to run a marathon, which I will never again run a marathon. So let's just say I'm going to run a 10k what i feed my body leading up to that 10k impacts how well i run and what kind of run i have believe me i have eaten chili before a run not good running meal okay eat pasta you eat pasta. you eat for the run not eat for the runs that's a different thing okay but you eat for the run. Some people are like, why did we come to church today? Anyway, 
You eat for the run. And for us as followers of Jesus, what do we feed ourselves? We feed ourselves God's word. Not just in reading, but in talking with each other. That we're encouraging each other through God's word. And then finally, we live out God's joy. We live out God's joy. I love what Peter says. Now, I, it's one of, if not my favorite, scripture verse. When Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says, you have this inexpressible and glorious joy. Where's that joy come from? Peter says it comes from our salvation. And I would submit to you that it comes from the power of the Holy Spirit revealing the salvation that is within us. We give up everything. We pray down God's Spirit. We breathe in God's Word. And we live out God's joy. And all of that happens and reveals God's power in our lives. And that, my friends, is our word for the year. It is the word that God has for Lighthouse Community Church this year. Power. Do I know everything that it means? No, I don't. Am I looking forward to what it means? You bet I am. I can't wait. Just like last year, our word was do something, and God blew our minds with what he did in our lives and through our lives. This year, we have, we've already begun to experience here at Lighthouse the power of God's spirit. I'm telling you, there are testimonies of people who have seen miraculous things happen in their lives. There's a guy who's in the hospital right now who's going to get out tomorrow, Wes Seeley, who I guarantee you went in to have a valve replaced in his heart who would tell you, I saw the power of God in my life. We've already begun to see it, but what is the extent that God is going to go to if we'll live in those four things, up, down, in, and out? Up, down, in, and out. We're going to see the power of God. So as the worship team comes, I'm going to give you four questions to think about. Four questions. The first question is this. Are you living your life completely in God's power? That word completely is important. Because some of us can say, or many of us probably can say, yeah, I'm living in my life in God's power. But I, am I living completely? Am I willing to get, have I given up everything? And when I say it, I'm not saying, you know, empty out your, your savings account, start wearing sackcloth, you know, start, I'm not saying you have to do that, okay? But have I given up everything? Have I, have I prayed down God's spirit? Am I, am I breathing in God's word? Am I living out God's joy? Are you living your life completely in God's power? If not, why not? And be honest with yourself. Be honest. If your answer is because you don't feel like it, then say that. If your answer is I'm kind of nervous about giving over that much power to God, I kind of want a little bit of it. Be honest. Be honest. If not, why not? Second question, what does it mean for you to give up everything? What does it mean for you? Not for me. Not for the person sitting next to you. Not for those people over there if you're sitting over here. Okay, what does it mean for you? What does God want you to give up? When he says give up everything. And finally, what do you need to start doing to live in God's power? 
What do you need to start doing today? What's the move? And maybe for you, there's going to be some prayer involved here. God, what do I need to do to start living in your power? What are the first step that I have to do? I think for most of us, it's to start praying, God, I lay at your feet everything. Everything I am, everything I have, I dedicate to you. Lead me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Actually, I have one more question, and it's this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? See, I believe that God wants to change the world. I believe that God wants to change your world. I believe that God wants to change Portage, Matawan, Kalamazoo, Pawpaw, Plainwell, wherever it is you live or work, your kids go to school, your grandkids hang out, wherever it is, I believe that God wants to change your world. I also believe that you are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. You're it. So what's going to take for you to access the power of God? Would you stand up with me, please? God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you have done for us, Lord, as Peter wrote, that we have this this inexpressible and glorious joy because of our salvation. Father, oftentimes I will start the message with, if you don't hear anything else I say, then hear this. God loves you. That is uppermost in our minds, that you love us so much that you would take on flesh and bone. You would come to this earth. You would reveal yourself as God. And you would die a grisly death in our place, taking on my sin and shame, taking on our sin and shame, so that we could have and live in a right relationship with you. Not because of anything that I've done or we've done, but because of everything you have done for us. And and God, you have said that you want us to live in joy. You want us to live with peace. Even in a world that, that is chaotic and is bitter and divided, you have guaranteed that we can have comfort and peace. Jesus, when you said, do not let your hearts be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. In my house, there are many rooms, and I'm going to come back to take you home. I am excited about that. Thank you that our hope is not in a body, in a tomb, but our hope is found in an empty tomb that proves to us that resurrection is possible, but only in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, I pray today for myself and my brothers and sisters as we talk about this word power for the coming year, that we will dedicate ourselves 
to accessing that power. I pray, God, I pray that we will move to a place with a willingness to give up everything. To pray down your spirit into our lives. To breathe in your word individually and collectively. And to live out the joy that comes with that power. God, may it be so in our lives. May it be so in our church. That this church becomes what you talked about in Matthew 5, Jesus. That we become that city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That we become the salt of the earth. That we quit arguing and quibbling and fighting amongst ourselves and with the world. And we reveal through the power of the Holy Spirit the joy that we have because of our salvation and our hope in you, Jesus. May that be true in us this year. As we access your power, Holy Spirit. We pray these things through your power, Holy Spirit. For your glory, Father. In that beautiful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.